Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Cup and 
uh, Matt Stafford and whatnot. So I want to talk about that, you know, at the outskirts, man, the the impact that Cooper Cup is going to leave on on, on the Rams offense, man. Give me your opinion on that. So Harvey, if you're talking, you're on mute. Uh, no, we're good. Uh, so, no, like the uh... – the offense has been very, very dependent on Cooper Cup. It's almost like uh, he only has eyes for him or whatever. I don't know. Like, it's something been funny going on uh, in the passing game for the Rams. I don't know without if Stafford's going to be back this week or whatever. I mean, obviously, short term uh, for this Rams team, this is not good when you look at this being their only uh, their major weapon in the passing game. Maybe in the long term, it could benefit this organization in future seasons because it is going to force Stafford, if he's back in the lineup, to try to uh, build or forge a uh, relationship with these other pass catchers, which hopefully uh, mm-hmm. you know he can continue to to thrive on. Because I mean, really, like you got Allen Robinson, you got other pieces on this team that you know by all accounts are capable receivers but it's almost like he's not really looking to them very much he's always just looking for that one uh safety outlet in mr cooper cup and i understand he had a great year last year and we talked about it um at length on this show but mm-hmm. at the same time you, you are to be a well-rounded offense you gotta have a rapport with more than one you know pass catcher and so maybe this does force some of that and make him do that and that helps them uh, in future seasons, but it definitely does not help their dimming playoff chances uh, this season at all. This team is in is in deep, deep trouble and uh, are going are in danger of being, you know, one of the very few Super Bowl winners. Now, we've seen it happen to Super Bowl losers, but one of the few Super Bowl winners today to make the playoffs the following season. You know what, I want to double-click on something you said there because I'm hearing this narrative a lot, um, you know, that Cooper Cup's injury may be a blessing in disguise as it relates to the offense trying to find different ways to, to move the football. Um, and I'm curious, and, you know, I, I've seen a, a good portion of Rams games um, this season, and I don't think it's so much of the fact that the offenses are looking to other targets. I just don't believe that the other targets are delivering. And Cooper Cup is money in the bank. I mean, he's your go-get it type of dude. Um, and so I wonder, again, to, to, to your point, if Cooper Cup um, is gone, he's on IR, so he's going to miss the next four at least, um, and then be reevaluated um, later on in the year. But I, I wonder if this does indeed force um, others to step up. Allen Robinson is there. Van Jefferson is there. Um, they flirted a lot uh, with the possibility of bringing Odell Beckham back. You got Higby there. You don't know who in the world is toting the rock. Um, so I, I'm, I, I know Carolina Williams has the ball out of the backfield. Uh, you got Darrell Henderson who's, you know, a downhill type of guy. Cam Akers is essentially just scat back, who is essentially falling out of favor with Sean McVay and the offensive staff. So, I mean, it's not like this team is void of weapons. I think the issue that they're running into um, is offensive line issue, but as far as them looking other directions, 
um, I think they're going to be forced to, to do that now more so than than later. And I, I think they have the, the piece of the door. This is a matter of where they step up. Kyron Williams had uh, double the number of snaps that Cam Akers had this past Sunday. And he's just now working his way back um, of off IR, you know, fifth round uh, pick for this team. So, I mean, I think, you know, they couldn't get anything for him uh, at the deadline, and they're still not interested in playing him more of the game value. So I I feel like that, uh, barring something crazy in the offseason, I feel like Cam Akers is almost dead to this organization um, because – uh, Daryl Henderson's a decent back, but he's not a star, and mm-hmm. he has still been unable to seize this position. I don't know if him coming back or too early last year in the postseason ruined like some of his explosiveness, and he never completely healed. I don't know if there's something else health related that we don't know about because you know sometimes that comes out later on down the line. I'm not sure, but from what we thought Cam Akers could be to what he is now. Um, has been very disappointing for that team. But I would, I mean, for them to be able to put up any points, I mean, I think Henderson, I think Kyron Williams, Akers if given opportunities, and then, like you said, guys like Jefferson and and Allen Robinson have to definitely step up uh, and and show that they can still produce in this league. Yeah, it's crazy when you you start to think about that, man. Again, it's going to be really, really awkward to see the the, the Rams fall flat on their face like they're falling. Um, But, again, this is the price you pay for not really investing in your offensive line um, the way you should have. Uh, Call the number 929-477-3759. He was supposed to be shoved myself, uh, Sirius, and then Mr. Harvey kicking it with us for a little bit. I wanted to switch gears um, and talk about a couple quarterbacks um, that are somewhat in in limbo, so to speak. You know, um, I'm going to come right here to the Metro where where, where I reside. Uh, As of today, Carson Wentz is eligible to be activated off of IR. Um, Taylor Heineke, the backup, has gone four and one. Um, in his absence, including beating the previously undefeated Philadelphia Eagles yesterday on Monday Night Football. Um, it's not flashy. It's not pretty. He's going to throw some stuff in the double and triple coverage. Um, but when it's all said and done, this dude is getting wins, um, and he's making timely plays um, to, 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 to get the commanders over the hump. So if you're Coach Rivera and the Washington Commanders, with Carson Wentz now set to be reactivated, who would your starting quarterback be uh, this week playing the Houston Texans and why? I'd still go with Tyler Heineke. And the reason why is because this guy's winning games. Listen, this is not uh, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, uh, even Cam Newton in his heyday that we talking about that you stepped in to uh, play for. Uh, this is a guy who was not uh, very impressive in some of his uh, outings already. And I think that this team has rallied around Tyler Heineke and wants to play for him and with him. And so to me, um, I, 
I start with Heineke. I, he's my quarterback right now. Uh, like I said, I know you invested in Carson Wentz. I get that. But once again, it's not like this was his first big free agent contract and, like, you're hanging your franchise hopes on him. I mean, maybe you're hoping that he could raise you to another level. But uh, Heineke has elevated this team. Uh, you know, they've won four out of five with him under center. And to me, I don't bring Wentz back in until unless Heineke shows me that he can't uh, continue to produce. I mean, now maybe if you're getting blown out or something and you want to change pace, maybe you switch and kind of see how it goes. But I, I feel like I go with Heineke, man. See, I, I, I think you and I are really in lockstep here, uh, which is the unpopular opinion of some constituents and some people that I, I talk to on a regular basis um, out here in the DMV, um, their philosophy is this. You know, it's very unlikely that you're going to go too far um, playoff-wise. Right now, all four teams um, in the division are in playoff contention. There's still a significant amount of division games left, so we'll, we'll see how it turns out. But ultimately, you have to make a decision whether – Carson Wentz is going to be your franchise guy going forward, and you can't necessarily do that um, playing Taylor Heineke. Now, I, I get what a lot of people are saying, um, and again, I'm one of these people. Um, you're winning ball games, you know what I'm saying? Taylor Heineke has the only winning record amongst these laundry list of quarterbacks that have started and played a significant amount of time for this franchise, you know, to, to, to date, he is 10 and 9 um, and, and games played as a starting quarterback of the Washington Commanders. All the other ones I saw the stat yesterday are, you know, 6 and whatever, 9 and whatever. It, 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 it's literally night and day different um, from wins and losses. So you really have to look at it like this. Are you making the investment to find out if you have if you're gonna pay Carson Wentz what you're going to pay him to retain his service for the next three years, or are you gonna let him go because the commanders do have an opt out just out of this last year, out of this, out of this final year to see what and what they're gonna do. I think they're gonna play Heineke, but I can kind of see where people are like, listen, we need to find out what we're doing. Um, with Carson Wentz. I mean, I get that, but to me, but but to me, I I just wasn't impressed with what I saw from Wentz. I think you can get just as much from Heineke, and I think that uh, you can. I mean, listen, it's this whole theory of if you don't have to pay your quarterback, franchise quarterback type money, you can load up in other positions and build talent around him, and so. Maybe if you continue to get him options with McLaren and this uh, Dotson and, you know, the pieces you put around him and you continue to build up a, what is a pretty talented defense already, you know, maybe that's the recipe to win. Not going with a guy who, I mean, quite honestly, uh, so he had regular season success and was right there in the race that one year, but he didn't play for them in the playoffs when they won. So I haven't really seen any right. playoff success from this man either. Right, right, right. You know, and the thing is, you, you mentioned that, um, you know, he is really being linked to the Philadelphia Eagles' success 
that year they won the Super Bowl. And again, I get it. He he, he was the or he was the engineer of a lot of that year until he got injured. Um, ironically, can the Rams. Um, however, when you know the field got narrow and you really had to go out there and, and do the damn thing, so to speak, it was Nick Foles. Um, you know, playing playing the quarterback position. Um, and you know, we, we we've all talked about it. At, Length, um, you know, here in Sports City and you know, on, on barber in the barbershop, you know, he ain't been right since. You know, and, and it's unfortunate that you know he hasn't been right. But at the end of the day, you know, financially and culturally, um, I can see a path to Carson Wentz getting back on the field. Um, as early as this Sunday versus a, a, a Houston Texas team, a team that, for all intents and purposes, the commanders should beat, and that offense should look halfway decent playing against. Now, this is a team to play him against if you want to really evaluate it, man, at least in one game. Uh, give Heineke a, a week. He got some rhythm with these guys because he's been playing. So, I mean, right. obviously, if you can't move the ball and you struggle, then you go back to him. Uh, I think he's a team guy, and the guys will rally around him no matter what. So, I mean, listen, you could not ask for a better game uh, for him to play in to try to get reacclimated to this team because this is a team that you are supposed to beat. Right, right, right. All right, right. Fair enough, fair enough. We'll press on. Call the numbers 929 uh, Here with your boy, Sirius, and Mr. Harvey's talking everything NFL Week 9 edition. Um, I wanted to switch gears um, and talk about another quarterback. Hey, week 10, uh, just for the record, just for the record. Week 10, yeah, my fault, my fault. Uh, I wanted to switch gears um, and talk about another quarterback situation that um, is near and dear to, to, to your heart, Mr. Harvey. Uh, Andy Dalton versus Jameis Winston. Um, I've seen a lot of reports coming out of New Orleans that the, the vibe is leaning back towards the reinsertion uh, of Jameis Winston. Uh, Andy Dalton played well at times, and then at other times he kind of played like Andy Dalton. Um, as a Stella fan, I, I, we know this guy all too well. Um, but I do think that um, all things created equal is that me personally, that Andy Dalton gave you the best shot at winning, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about your quarterback controversy or your quarterback situation as you see it as as the resident Saints fan. So, Mr. Harvey, the floor is yours. Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, how you feel about it? Okay, cool. So I'm going to stick to just the quarterback portion right now, as you said. And what I will say is this. So, Andy Dalton – like I said, going into the season, a very serviceable backup, a guy that uh, in theory can get the ball where it's supposed to go uh, for the most part and manage a game, but he's not a primetime guy. He struggled in primetime, and at times he struggles once you really rattle him and get him off his spot. He's not very mobile. Um, I understand him being inserted when he was because Jameis was banged up and hurt. Uh, now they said, you know, he got hurt in the first game of the year. Um, so I, I look at that and I, and I see 
okay, you got you need to get him back in there before you run a a hurt uh, Jameis Winston because you really need to see what you have. And I mean, right now, I'm ready to I'm ready to mail it in on a lot of uh, on a lot of uh, people that control the fate of the franchise. So um, I, I say we need if he's healthy enough to play. We need to get Jameis Winston back in the ballgame. Andy Dalton has moved this offense, and like you said, has played well at times. But if Jameis is the guy, people have still said even going into this year, they kind of believe in him. If he's the guy, then even if uh, even if it's not in fine fashion, you don't have a first-round pick this year. So you bring him in, and you, once again, basically for all intents and purposes, you're telling him, like, this is a – what a seven game audition, you know what I'm saying? For to for you to be quarterback next year, uh, what can you do? We we got some pieces around you. Uh, what can you do, and how can you make this work? And then then we see moving forward. You know that Andy Dalton is not your future starting quarterback. I don't think that Jameis Winston is either, but it's more likely to be Jameis than it is Andy Dalton. So if Jameis Winston is healthy enough to line up under center and play for the New Orleans Saints, then he needs to be the guy taking snaps. If he's not, and or we're going to be talking about injuries as an excuse why he can't perform, then don't put him on the field. You know, I actually agree with your last statement there. You know, here's the thing, like, essentially, in my opinion, you know, this is a, both of these men are, are one and the same. Um, I, I just think that it's really capped at, at their effectiveness as it relates to this, this Saints roster and, and them being able to be be a, a reliable and suitable quarterback for, for this franchise. I mean, you guys are racked with injuries out, out the wazoo, and believe me, you know, the second half of this show will, will, will break down that, that game in its entirety, but uh, based off of what I've seen doing prep, especially for the Saints, um, you guys are missing some significant pieces to, to, to your puzzle. And I, and I wonder if that is, unfortunately, your, you guys have been doing pertains to having weapons around uh, y- your quarterbacks and being able to, you know, generate any type of continuity with, with anybody. Like, I mean – Regardless of whether Michael Thomas is is in the lineup, I think he only played one week for you guys. So, but I mean, you just now got Jarvis Landry back, who is, is a veteran. You know, Alave's there. Um, you're missing offensive linemen. Um, yeah, I'm I'm leaning more towards Andy Dalton um, because I've seen more good out of him than I've seen out of Jameis Winston as a starting quarterback for the same ball club. Here's the thing. You could bring Andy Dawson back as a backup. Nobody's knocking his door down to be the starter. You, you've seen enough of him to kind of know what you have. Uh, right now, what, what is Jameis Winston worth? What kind of salary can he ask for? Is he uh, quality enough to be, you know, is he better than Andy Dawson? Uh, you know, before this year, a lot of people would say yes. I'm not sure. And so if I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing with the future of that franchise, because, listen, I, 
whether I got to make a trade to try to get an extra pick, whether whatever I have to do, I'm doing something to bring in a young guy to compete at the quarterback position. Even if I, I, I don't know what it is yet, I don't know how it looks or what I have to do to make it happen. But I'm bringing somebody in to compete for the quarterback position, which means if any of these guys are left on my roster at quarterback, it's going to be one of the two. I've seen enough of Andy Dalton this year to know what I feel like I have in him. I don't know from Jameis yet. I mean, listen, he he showed signs last year. He started the season off pretty good at the quarterback position. People said, well, his eyesight was better, whatever. So uh, I don't know about all that. But, like, his, the, you know, the LASIK surgery made all the difference, whatever. So he did have more touchdowns and fewer interceptions than he did uh, you know, the year when he his last year in Tampa, but then he got hurt, and then this year he gets hurt in the very first game, and the next couple games, everybody just kept talking about how he didn't need to be out there, cracked ribs, all this, this thing going on in his back and whatever, he don't need to be out there. So like I said, if he can't produce, then he don't need to be on the field. But if he's healthy enough to produce, let's see what we got. You know, show me something because I haven't been, I haven't seen you put together. Uh, you know, if you could play seven productive games to close the season, then you've already shown me more than you've shown me in your first two and a half seasons here. Otherwise, like it's time to give you. It's, otherwise, it's time to give you walking papers because I listen. Andy Dalton's old, and he's not people. Like I said, people aren't knocking down the doors to sign him as a starter, and so I could sign him for probably a good bit cheaper, and he can be my bridge guy if I have to. But I'm bringing in somebody to compete. And telling them that if you can beat this guy out, you're going to be my starter next year. Because you got to start thinking. You got to start thinking beyond the season. So let me ask you this question to kind of double click on that, uh, kind of getting where your head's at. So would you, you know, look to free agency? Would you, you know, roll your dice and you know jump into the draft? Because I mean, clearly, I I think you and I are in a lockstep here when it comes to bringing in somebody to compete for the quarterback position. Um, financially, just just so you're aware, financially, they're both very much in the same boat. Uh, Cat uh, making about 12, you know, mil, I mean, 1,200 um, per, 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 per year here. Their cat, the, the cat number is at 4,000 4, uh, 4, um, and 3,000 respectively. So essentially, their guarantee, their guarantee salary is what that is. They, they have no other bonuses or anything like that tied into their their, their paychecks or things. So they're essentially the same guy financially. So back to your point, you know, you have to make a decision which one of these guys you're gonna you know keep on, on your roster, and then would you go draft wise to, to to get somebody else, or would you try to sign one of these free agents? Well, to be honest with you, I'm not sure that you don't have to play around in both in both areas depending on who becomes a free agent, right? Like, if you don't have a first-round draft pick, you may not get a franchise guy, but what if a guy falls to you in the second round that you think could be? I mean, we've seen quarterbacks come out of the second round before. People say it's not as common, but we've seen as many quarterbacks flop in the first round and succeed. So, you know, like, what if a Hendon Hooker or somebody from Tennessee were to fall to round two? Uh or there were a guy that that you were to get that could come in and compete. Then, you know, you you don't one hundred percent know. So, like, I would I would dabble in the free agency and see who might be there, and 
maybe sign a, a low risk, high reward type guy, somebody that, uh, but, you know, you got to think about like anybody that's hitting free agency for the most part, mm-hmm. it's because it's because it didn't work out right with wherever they right. were. So they, they were not that guy where they were. So I got to be convinced that they're going to be that guy when they come to, to me. Otherwise, I'm not putting many eggs in that basket. I'd rather take my chances and, and see what I can grab in the draft. And I, like I said, I understand you don't have that first-round draft pick, but maybe, I mean, listen, they're going to have to do something. Pete Carmichael's not going to be the answer long-term for that offense. And I also think that Dennis Allen should have a much quicker hook because of, of the circumstances in which they brought him in. Um, and I would be calling Eric the enemy, but that's a whole other story. Uh, but I just think that it, it depends on what that – it depends on who my coach is going to be because at the end of the day, that that communication and that bond or that being on the same page, a cohesion is what I'm looking for between coach and quarterback is vital uh, to, you know, a bright future in a franchise, right? And so I just don't feel like that that's, uh, that that's there right now. You know what, you, 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 you mentioned free agent quarterbacks, so I did some digging um, while you were talking on 2023 free agent quarterbacks. And, I mean, there's a few names on this list, you know, that you may be interested in. Jimmy Garoppolo, um, Geno Smith, and that's about, I mean, there's a dude named Brady, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I, I don't know. know. They let Geno Smith out of Seattle. I could be wrong, but I don't think they let Geno Smith out of Seattle now because I think initially they people thought they might tank and be in the mm-hmm. in the running for the number you know one, two, or three overall pick and maybe have a chance at one of these franchise guys. I don't think Seattle is going to be there, and I think they now once again he's got you know seven more weeks or eight more weeks to change people's right. minds as far as what he ends up doing. But early returns on Geno say that maybe Seattle, uh, maybe Seattle tries to extend him. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, especially if they continue on this trajectory. Um, I mean, Geno Smith isn't making a significant amount of money um, right now, and at the end of the day, he is a free agent at the end of this year. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out for Geno, but. Call the number is 929-477-2759. I've waited long enough to talk about it. Um, Let's go ahead and flip the page and talk about the game that was on Sunday between our respective ball clubs um, without giving too much away about my finger flu, which I'm recording later on this evening. Um, I thought it was a very interesting game from the Steelers' perspective. Um, Not one time did I really feel – as though the Steelers were in, in danger um, of losing the ball game. And that, that that's really egotistical of me. But when you look at how we were able to dominate both sides of the ball in the trenches um, and, and run the football with, with great success and, 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 and attack the offensive line of the Saints, I really felt as though we would be able to make the necessary plays to get out of that stadium uh, with the win. Um, the offense, from my perspective, looked essentially the best that it looked 
uh, all season long. Najee Harris was running the ball really, really well. We we ran the ball to a tune of like 140 some odd yards um, with all eligibles. That's including Kenny Pickett, who ran around you know a lot uh, during this game, including the jet action um, that we ran with uh, our wide receivers Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. And then uh, our running back duo and Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. I really felt as though we were able to generate some some significant traction running the football. Defensively, I'm not going to make anything mystical about it. Our defense is a whole different ball game with 90 in helmet on the field. Like it doesn't matter what who else you play in the backfield. We were out we was out Mika Fitzpatrick. We was playing a, a myriad of other guys. Um, Levi Wallace finally came back to us. Uh, KZ uh, finally came back to us. But it, it didn't really matter because we were able to really generate pressure with our front four, putting the back half of my secondary and, and, and into coverage. So I was very, 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 very much encouraged by what I saw um, from, from, from the Steelers on both offensive and defense. Um, I'll go ahead and give it to you to kind of talk about it from your perspective, and then if you wanted to go back and forth, we could do that. But I wonder, what did you think about the game as, as a Saints fan? Well, I think the Minnesota-Buffalo game was a much more entertaining game. Uh, that was one of the best games of the year. But I digress, and I'll go back and speak on this game. Uh, I never thought that this Saints team – was in a position to win or felt confident at all during this game. So uh, for you to say, you know, the feelings that you had, they kind of mirror mine, right, as far as uh, on my side of things. So uh, I think it's because we were both looking at this game realistically. Uh, you know, the Saints got in a hole early, couldn't do anything. And each each team has their best player uh, that, that makes or breaks their team. And like you said, it's 90 on that defense for Pittsburgh. Uh, and then also, keep in mind, like Mike Tomlin, I think in his last five years, is 5-0, and uh, coming off a of bye week. Uh, so he does a good job planning for what they have coming back, and it doesn't really matter who they play against. They have found success uh, the week after bye week over the last few years, and that's enough times to definitely call it, you know, more than just, uh, you know, an accident, right? So uh, I look at that, and, and – I'm I'm not surprised to see them have success, though I did pick this wrong. Uh, you know, the Saints were able to find a way to get back in it until and even the score late in the in the first half. So I'm like, okay, well maybe this team has started slow a bunch, so maybe we have, uh, you know, maybe we're gonna make a little bit better showing, or maybe rise up in the second half and really do a little something. Pittsburgh came out and just hit him in the mouth. And the Saints defensively, I was really surprised that they did not stand up very well uh, against the run. I think you saw some of those those missing pieces on that uh, on that defensive front. But that is not the uh, the defensive front that uh, we have grown accustomed to uh, from that black and goal over the last few years. This Saints team has been very stingy against the run. Uh, they have been able to impose their will on most teams' offenses. They were unable to do that this past weekend, and the results showed. And then, I mean, even late, you're down 10. The defense 
still kind of held up and made some stops late to try to give him a chance. Uh, they were the benefit of uh, Pittsburgh not necessarily taking advantage of every time they could have gotten away with points um, in this game, and they left some points on the field. But that Saints team was completely unable to take advantage of that. And, I mean, even getting the ball down 10 late, uh, you know, another interception. Uh, the, the offensive line couldn't hold up for Dalton. Like I said, he's more of a statue. He can't move around. And if you're not blocking well and you got, once again, 90 breathing down your neck and other guys on that on that team, uh, he's just not going to be able to uh, – not going to be able to produce. I think they tried to uh, get the ball to Landry and try to integrate him back into what they were doing. He gets six or seven targets, I think three catches for 30-some-odd yards. Um you know, they, the Steelers' defense kind of centered on Olave a little bit because they know he's uh, our biggest threat. And as a rookie, you're going to have to continue to adjust to that. I think we're going to see much better games out of him moving forward. But this team just, I mean, they went on the road. They got smacked in the mouth. And they did not respond. Um, like I said, a little bit of fight late in the first half just to be able to get that touchdown and get back on the board. And, uh, you know, make it respectable in the first half. But then they were just – they were unable to mount anything uh, after that. This is a team in the New Orleans Saints that has really lost their direction. Um, and they really slipped. And I I hope that I'm wrong, but I'm not sure that they've hit, hit rock bottom and as far as they can go. I'm – this team looked uh, unprepared. This team looked completely overmatched. This team did not look anything like the team that a lot of us expected them to be going into this season. That's a very talented roster, and I understand you've had some injuries, but I thought they were a little bit better prepared to absorb some of that. Uh, They weren't able to. The Steelers exploited that, and the Steelers were definitely the better team this past Sunday. So I want want to double-click on what you were talking about um, as far as um, where, where, where do the Saints go from here? You know, I mean, is, is, is Dennis Allen the guy? Um, nope. I mean, you got the nope. Rams this week, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, you know, that's a toss-up game if you ask me um, in, in the Superdome. And then you got some tough ones. You got the, you got the 49ers, the Buccaneers, um, and then, you, you know, close the year versus, you know, Atlanta, Cleveland, and Philly. Um, and I think got the Panthers there as well. So, yeah, realistically, like, where do you see yourself going from here? Like, you don't, I mean, you say you don't think Dylan Allen's a guy. Um, nope. You know, I, I, I honestly think that he's going to get a much longer leash um, than, 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 than he should. Um, because, again, he can say that essentially, you know, I've been hit with injuries and you started out well and I need, to, I need a chance to get my guy in here. And, you know, I didn't bring in Jameis. He was just a, he was just handed to me. So, like, I think it should be quite the opposite. I think that a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. So, Dennis Allen is a very good defensive coordinator. And, and good for him. Uh, but not every coordinator is designed to be a head coach. 
Uh, this is his second chance, and I, I'm I'm not impressed. I, I don't think he's that guy. Uh, it's sad because, like, I, I think that Dennis Allen is the architect of a lot of the game plans that have really stymied Tom Brady, and it really allowed the uh, Saints to have uh, a big moniker uh, of success against Brady since he has joined that division. As a matter of fact, I mean, we, we made much to do about it this past victory in week two by the Buccaneers was their first ever uh, regular season win over the Saints since Tom Brady uh, joined the the fold. So, I mean, yeah, they lost to him the one time in the playoffs. I get that. But this is, I mean, it took Tom Brady five times uh, to beat this team. And this was even, you know, they lost twice to him last year coming off a Super Bowl championship. And it wasn't pretty. Uh, in one of those games, it was it was ugly actually. So um, I I look at this, I, I think Allen is a is a hell of a decent coordinator. I just don't think he's a head coach. And if he if you are going to keep him as head coach, then you need to make some changes across the board as far as what you're doing coordinator wise. But I don't think he's the guy. I don't think players are going to rally around him. I don't think that he is. I mean, he's another recycled guy who has had a chance once and failed at it. And uh, they promoted from within, but there were lots of other coaches and people that we've talked about over the last couple of years that should be given chances at head coaching positions. Um, Yet the Saints chose to promote from within. And I believe the reason why you promote from within is because you're like, okay, we have a winning culture here. So we're going to move – Carmichael up, who worked with Sean Payton. We're going to move our defensive coordinator up. We're going to try to have uh, less change and less turnover here in order to continue our successive ways. That's 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 why you do that. But you had a losing season last year because of all the injuries at the quarterback position. Uh, or not, I think you had a winning season, but you missed the playoffs uh, because – uh, by tiebreaker with the 49ers You have clearly Fallen even more this year Even though you have done some things to address Some of the uh, Deficiencies from last year so I I just think It's time to go another direction I think um, You know Sean Payton is not walking through That door to take over This franchise he was the Figurehead that really made everything go He got the right people in place but once he stepped out, you're not just going to have the right culture by keeping the same people and just trying to elevate from within to fill spots. I, I don't think that's going to get it done uh, in this league, and I just don't think Dennis Allen is that guy. I, I think this team, this organization, needs to needs to change. Now, that being said, you got to get it right because how many times have we seen organizations decide to do that, and then a couple of years later you look up and it's like, what are you doing? You know, Greg Williams in Buffalo. Uh, there's multiple right. situations that we can point to where it did not work out, but I I just don't I wasn't that impressed with Allen being hired. I understood why because he was already in the organization and people thought he deserved another uh, shot at a head coach. But I'm gonna tell you right now, um, if this especially if it were a recycled one, if this was uh, Art Shell or somebody like that, people would be ready to run him off. If it was a black coach. Uh, you know, three and seven, it's time to mm-hmm. go, bro. And so, like, I, I, I want the same energy. You've already been there. You know the guys. You know the personnel. You know what you signed up for. Uh, and you 
you've been unable to get it done, you felt, and you were real confident going into uh, coming out of training camp with what this team is. Uh, they have woefully underperformed. You do not blow this roster up and get rid of everybody. You don't uh, run a fire sale just to rebuild. You have too much talent in the room to just throw it all away uh, and and mortgage it on a future that you don't know what those guys are going to bring in. It's a whole adage of a bird in hand uh, versus two in the tree kind of thing. And so I, I think you have to keep as much of this town as you can and continue to fix it because you've accumulated too much town over the last few years. This should be a team – that has no – they don't have any excuse. You look around that division. Right. This this team has no excuse for not being competitive uh, either at the top of or near the top of that NFC South. They're supposed to be either first or second in that division. Just looking at those rosters, they have not. And you can't fire every player. So at some point you got to look at it and say, who's going to be the fall guy? And I think it has to be the head coach. And I would look to a guy like an Eric Bieniemy or somebody that deserves a shot that hasn't gotten one yet, and and that's who I would try to bring in. I would bring in a guy that I really believe players would rally behind and want to play for, and that has been preparing for this for a long, long time. And a guy that I believe can be a leader of men and bring in the right people to uh, to get it done around him. Like you failed for me twice. So you, you failed twice, bro, as a head coach. So you mean you're not going to call up Fox Sports and bring in one of their analysts? That's not going to happen. No, I'm not. I'm not bringing Jeff Saturday. And, and even though, and even though he was really mad on Sunday morning, I went back and watched this clip. I don't know if you saw this. Bill Cowher, did you see this? Like, yo, his oh, jaw was all flexed. He was so hot. Yeah, I thought I, I, I'm not even gonna go get Bill Coward, even though he's coached a lot. Like, I, he, you could do a lot worse than Bill Coward if he wanted to coach again. Uh, but I, I would bring in either a proven guy or a guy that deserves a shot at a head coach this, this um, that hasn't had one yet that has, you know, earned their stripes and deserves an opportunity. So it, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, because again, I, I echo a lot of what you said and, you know, I defer to you, um, you know, as it pertains to everything that happens with, with the New Orleans Saints. I just honestly feel as though um, unless you literally implode on yourself, Nathaniel Hackett, um, I just don't think that, you know, first-year coaches should um, lose their job. And I, I don't think that even though he has been a coach before, I think this is his first year dealing with this particular bunch. Um, but, again, it, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, we called the first two out the gate pretty, pretty, pretty spot on. So if Dennis Allen uh, were to, to be relieved of his duties, it wouldn't shock me. Call the numbers 929-477-3759. Um, I just think but, shorter leash. I, I think I think quicker hook when you promote from within because you knew what you were walking into. It ain't like nobody knew you. It ain't like you could say I you mean, don't I know the you. players. I feel you. I feel you. Um, I wanted to get us out of here on this now. The 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 great one of the greatest games I ever witnessed. You referenced it a minute ago. Took place this past week when the Minnesota Vikings um, went into. Buffalo and got that win there. There's so many different layers of that ball game, um, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about it yourself, uh, Mr. Harvey, uh, being as old. This is the first time we spoke about it. Tell me what you thought about that crazy game, man. 
Man, there's so many things to think about. It's just kind of crazy the way this game, uh, the way this game turned out. And I mean, coming down to the last minute, it went right back and forth both ways. Like Josh Allen trying to quarterback sneak at the end. I understand you don't want to set him up, but at that point, why not take the safety? And I, I, I guarantee you, a Belichick coach uh, quarterback would have taken that safety. And or just let it snap out the back of the end zone and then uh, and then kicked it back and made them drive the length of the field. Uh, listen, I, I thought that uh, I thought that Buffalo did what they had to do early uh, with Josh Allen's elbow. We saw them uh, really, really work to establish the running game, um, and then we saw. Then we saw him make some throws later on. Uh, you know, Minnesota didn't go away. They got down. They fought back. Uh, Justin Jefferson is a man uh, for sure uh, in this league. Uh, but it's all, you know, both of them at different points tried to give the game away. Kirk Cousins made a few mistakes here and there. Uh, and then, obviously, that, that quarterback sneak trying to lean forward and get that ball through. He never even got that snap. Like, that's inexcusable. This Buffalo Bills team, though they may find their stride, I'm still curious to see what Josh Allen's elbow looks like week in, week out over the next few weeks and how he's able to play through this. I don't think that we've heard the last of that story. Let me let me say that. Uh, I, I think that's going to be a lingering issue as the uh, season continues to unfold. But – uh, you know, for a team that was supposed to be a clear-cut favorite in this conference, coming off of two losses like this, and I understand against pretty good uh, football teams, but it makes you stop and reevaluate and be like, wait a minute, they might not be what people were thinking they were. Uh, you know, what what, uh, what, what do you say uh, several years ago? If you want to crown them, crown them. But, uh, right. I, I don't think, yeah, uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's quite time to crown this team, and I think they have uh, they've shown us that. Like I, I will say this: sometimes I think Minnesota forgets what they have at the running back position. Uh, Dalvin Cook had that big run, like eighty yard run for touchdown. Um, you know, right. he, when he when healthy, he's one of the best backs in the league, and and Madison's not a bad uh, understudy at all. Uh, this team, though they have weapons in the passing game, I think could, uh, you know, you could make Kirk Cousins' job easier and maybe even uh, make it to where he's got some bigger windows to throw the ball into if sometimes you would uh, show more of a commitment to the running game. And and it's funny because I kind of feel like that about about both of these teams. Everybody wants to talk about mm-hmm. how Buffalo doesn't have doesn't have the running back and they need a star running back and I can see that except for you go back and look at the snap counts and the play counts like you know there are times Josh Allen will throw the ball sixty times a game and is it really because right. they don't have a running is it really because they don't have a running game or are they not calling the plays to actually use those backs because uh, Minnesota is a pretty good defensive front they they've stood up against the run a lot this year. Uh, they have, you know, this team is not eight and one by, by a complete accident. They're they're a talented football team, and they've been pretty tough up front defensively. And when Buffalo, especially early on, made a commitment to running the football, they were able to make hay uh, running the ball. So, mm-hmm. I moving forward, I would first of all, these are two very good teams. 
these are two teams that I think are, you know, going to be there and have something to say about the outcomes and their individual conferences in January. But these are two teams that I really would like to see a little bit more balance from moving forward. And I think if you don't see that balance from these teams as we continue to move forward, I think it's going to be uh, their shortcoming uh, by the end of the season. Yeah, I actually agree with what you said there at the end. Um, I think the biggest issue with Buffalo is that Josh Allen is their whole their whole offense. Um, so essentially, they don't have a similar type of running game. Over the past couple weeks, uh, I've seen the Buffalo Bills get run upon um, by by opponents. Um, and so I think thing with the Minnesota Vikings, it's like I said when we talk about Tyler and Taylor Heineke but with the Commanders, it, it's not flashy. They're not beating people by double digits, but they are getting that notch in the win column. And at the end of the day, that's all that legitimately matters. You know, the Buffalo Bills, um, got some questions they have answered, but ultimately the Minnesota Vikings um, get that much need to win in overtime. You know, Mr. Harvey, man, I, I want to appreciate you for coming to kick it with your man. Give us a plug and a close out as, as, as you shut it down here in the kitchen. Okay, real quick. I, uh, just to, to double tap really quick on that last thing that we just said. I think at the end of the day, man, like you have to be able to throw the ball in this league now to be successful. The idea of of not being able to open up in the passing game and, and be a conservative, you know, uh, type of team like what you saw uh, Jeff Fisher do with those Titans teams that were, you know, a Super Bowl team one year and number one seed the next year, uh, you know, the three yards and a cloud of dust with Eddie George and sometimes throw the tight end. I mean, we know those days are over. So you got to be able to throw the football. But at the end of the day, the old expression is there are three things that happen when you throw the football and only one of those things are good, right? So uh, at the end of the day, being able to run the ball and play good defense those things will travel. And uh, both of these teams do have the ability to do those things. And so uh, they just need to continue to refine that in order to go as far as they can uh, moving forward for sure. Uh, real quick, though, man, the, uh, it was a good ball game tonight between the Grizzlies and the uh, Pelicans. But, not, um, listen, it, check out the barbershop on Clubhouse. We are uh, 14,000 strong and continuing to grow there. Uh, have rooms available throughout the week, man. We talk about everything. We got uh, sports stuff going on, live watch alongs during primetime games. Always chopping up about basketball. Uh, listen, you come in there, you get conversations about uh, uh, new movies that just came out, comments, all kinds of stuff, man. But just life situations and things that happen in the world as well. So comfortable, uncomfortable conversations, things that challenge people, make you grow. Uh, sports, hip-hop culture, uh, lots of different references in the barbershop, so come be part of that barbershop community, man. Also, uh, Sirius may mention his finger food that's going to be released later on. Uh, so check out Sports City Chefs, the website, the blogs, all the different things we got, the finger foods, the blogs, and everything. All of our other shows will be back on tomorrow night, 9 uh, p.m. Eastern time for the Callers Cookout, Timeless versus the Villain, where good always wins. And then we got the... Uh, Sunday morning, the time of Sunday morning brunch for the TP and myself uh, every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern where we recap the weekend action in sports and we set the table for you for everything going on. Uh, it'll be this weekend, week 11 uh, in the NFL. And then 
Man, PHIapparel.co, 15% at checkout if you use the code CHEFS. I think I got everything, uh, Barry. I mean, I think I got everything uh, serious, man. But I'm going to tell you one more time, just like I told you last week. It was ugly, but uh, the LSU, man, they went on the road, and they got the big golden boot, the most dangerous trophy in college football, the 200-pound golden <laughs> trophy. They, they're bringing it back to Louisiana, after it, uh, back to its rightful home. You know, we are the boot state, if you will. So uh, it, has been, uh, it has been up north a little bit too long, so we're bringing that back home. We didn't play well, but, uh, hey, man, it was on the road, and it was cold. But we won. LSU still ahead of schedule, eight and two moving forward. The same thing will steal my joy on Sunday if I got something to be happy about on Saturday this year, bro. I got I got to learn to compartmentalize and, and do that. So we continue to do that, man, and we continue to move forward. And listen, uh, as you know, man, regardless uh, through good and through bad, like it, when you're a true fan, uh, listen, you ride with your you ride with your homies through the uh, ups and the downs, man. Black and gold forever, bro. Who that? Uh, all day. And as they say down south, man, I got to close it with this series, man. Laissez les bon temps rouler. Thank you so much, Mr. Hoffman, for coming by and checking with us. I wanted to get into some college ball thought with you, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll save that uh, for, for next week, man. There was there was a little bit of movement um, in, in, in college ball, and I wanted to talk about that with you. Perhaps maybe get Barry back in the building. You know, after he gets off of being ill, man, wrestling, you know, get, you get well too, Zillum. Um, with that being said, man, it's your boy, Sierra, up in that 412 to 703, man. Like my man alluded to, check out the blogs, the interviews, and everything that we got coming up. Um, later on this year, I got a special interview scheduled uh, with the NFL friend of mine who um, I do work with on a regular basis, man. He's going to come on and kind of talk about um, himself being drafted. Uh, the book he wrote um, and what he's doing now um, as a retired NFL player. Uh, Eddie Mason's a good friend of mine. Check him out. Look him up. Got drafted by Tony Dungy. So that, that that's coming up in a, in a couple weeks. Uh, we're going we're gonna to break Brandon's talk here in the kitchen for a little bit um, about some things. So I'm, I'm excited to bring that to you guys. Um, also, man, Finger Foods, get over to YouTube, check out the Finger Foods, get online, check out the blog, the merchandise. Shout out to our sponsors, PHI Apparel, for rocking with us. Um, like my man, Mr. Harvey said, check out uh, the barbershop on Clubhouse, man. Again, if you, I always say that if you enjoy the content that we bring to you here on a regular basis, you, you really like uh, what they got going on over there, man. I pop in every once in a while when I can. My schedule has gotten crazy, so I haven't been able to get in as I, as I, as I normally used to. But when things start to mellow, I believe you mean your boys be back in the building on a regular basis. But with that being said, as TP would always say, man, tell a friend to tell a friend of the chefs again. They don't know. Now we know, man. We out. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs. City chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon. They well in tune, bloom like a flower in June. Superman verse, MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend, it's the Sports City Chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again.
Connecticut. Uh.